only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. If you're able, I invite you to stand and join us as we sing our prelude, God So Loved. Welcome to First Church. I'd like to welcome all those listening on the radio today as well as uh, watching and listening on Facebook Live. We have a set of announcements here. Let me go through these for you. So the flowers on the altar today are in honor of Roberta Tanzini, who is celebrating her 90th birthday today. Happy birthday, Roberta. The white rose on the altar this morning is to celebrate the dedication of Colt Phillips, who is the son of Brad and Casey Phillips. The red rose on the altar is in honor of Roger and Sandy Holscher, who will be celebrating 54 years of marriage on September 30th. Happy anniversary. Wonderful Wednesdays this week. The menu is pulled pork sandwiches, mac and cheese, salad, chips, and cookie. The dinner is served in the ministry center from 6 to 7. 
You can always pick up meals beginning, beginning at 5 p.m. in the West Ministry Center door, and deliveries can be arranged. Just need to call the church office on that. Emmanuel Church in Kettlersville invites all widows and widowers to join them for lunch on Wednesday, October 13th at 1130 a.m. And the date for the mom event has been moved to Friday night, November 5th. So mark your calendars. Tori and Allie will be sharing more information in the coming weeks. And also, the Bell Choir is looking for new members. Practice our Wednesday evening from 6.45 to 7.15. And you don't need to know how to read music. There's a hint. So check out the other announcements in the bulletin. And if you need to get a bulletin, there's a bulletin available. If you're listening on Facebook Live, you can go to First Church. Just Google First Church and you'll be able to get a uh, bulletin there. So please rise and join me in the call to worship, which is taken from Psalm 111. Praise the Lord. Glorious and majestic are his deeds, and his righteousness endures forever. He has caused us wonders to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and compassionate. He provides food for all who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. He has shown his people the power of his works, giving them the land of other nations. The works of his hands are faithful and just. All his precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever, enacted in faithfulness and uprightness. He provided redemptions for his people. He ordained his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. The fear of the Lord is beginning in the wisdom. All who follow his precepts have good understanding. To him belongs eternal praise. Now let us sing hymn, hymn number eight, Praise to the Lord the, the Almighty. Amen. You may be seated. 
And at this time, I want to invite forward Brad and Casey Phillips and their son Colt for dedication. Well, nice to have you guys here this morning. We're so excited to be able to do this. And something hit me the other day when we were meeting to talk about this. This is the third of your children that I've had the opportunity, really the blessing, the privilege to do this. And it didn't hit me until just then the other night. You know, it speaks to, I've been here a little bit longer than maybe I realized, but also just a wonderful statement about you and your family and, and, and what you have chosen to do to dedicate your children to the Lord, to commit to raise them to know him and to love him and to set that example for them in your household. And so that's what we're doing here today. Um, and we're going to be we're going to be hearing some scripture passages about God's promises to us, but also hearing from you in terms of your faith and your commitment to raise Colt in the Lord. And so here this first passage from Mark chapter 10 verses 13 through 16. It says people were bringing their children to Jesus for him to place their hands on him, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the child in his arms, placed his hands on them and blessed them. So just as Jesus welcomed children and did not turn them away, we also welcome children into the life of this church and to in a desire to, to nurture them in the Lord and to see them grow in their faith as they grow older. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, Moses tells the people of God this. He says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. The Lord your God, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. And I love this passage because it reminds us that God's word, our faith in him, our love for him, isn't meant to be confined to just this place, right, on, in this time on Sunday mornings. It's an all-day, everyday commitment, and it's a commitment that you make as a family. You know, we're called to love the Lord your God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, but we're called to then impress that same love on our children, and that's why you're here today. And so, Brad and Casey, do you desire to dedicate your child to the Lord and promise to raise him to know, love, and serve him? Praise God. And so now that you are um, here to do that this morning, um, we'd love to hear from you about your faith. Again, Colt isn't exactly in a position to make any sort of commitment himself today. He's not quite aware of what's going on, even though he gets all the attention. The focus is really on you and the commitment you're making. So these following questions are for you as a way for you to profess your faith. And it's that same faith that you promised to pass on to Colt and to all your children. So Brad and Casey, do you desire to dedicate, oh, excuse me, wrong line. Do you truly and earnestly repent of your sins and accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord? Do you believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, and in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life? And do you intend to be Christ's faithful disciples, trusting his promises, obeying his word, honoring his church, and showing his love as long as you live? And will you devote yourself to the church's teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayers? Praise God. Now, church family, we have an opportunity to, that, to now, as one body, profess that same faith together. The words of the Apostles' Creed are printed in your bulletin. I invite you to recite those words as we do the same up here. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father and will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy universal Christian church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Amen. Let's pray together. We thank you, O oh God, for the gift of life. We thank you for this family and for this child being dedicated today. 
You, Lord, are the author of life and the giver of every good and perfect gift. Through the death and resurrection of your son, Jesus Christ, we have made, you have made it possible for us to be accepted into your family. I pray that you would bless and sustain this child. Draw him to yourself just as Jesus welcomed the children during his ministry. May he grow to love you with all of his heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we also pray for his parents that you would equip them to fulfill the promise they make today. Bless and sustain them as they teach their children to know and love you. All this we pray in the name of your beloved son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So this next question, as we talked about, there's three parts here. You've been through two of them. But this third one here is really the, the core of what we are doing here today. And that is the vow, the commitment that you are making to raise Colt and all of your children to know the Lord. Just like the wedding vows are the center of the, of the wedding ceremony, these vows are the center of what we're doing here today. And it's these vows that you are promising to fulfill here in, in terms of your children and raising Colt to know the Lord. So, Brad and Casey, since you've presented Colt for dedication, we ask you the following questions before God and his people. Do you promise to instruct him by word and example with the help of the Christian community in the truth of God's word and in the way of salvation through Jesus Christ? Do you promise to pray for him and teach him to pray? And do you promise to nurture him within the body of believers as citizens of Christ's kingdom? Praise God. Now, church family, we have an opportunity here to show them our support as well. You know, they're making a commitment here, and and we as a church believe that discipleship does start in the home, but it doesn't end there either. They're making a commitment to raise their children, and specifically Colt today in the Lord. But we as a church family have a responsibility to come alongside them and help them, to equip them, to encourage them to do that. And so I want to invite you to make a commitment to them today to pledge your loving support as well. And so, brothers and sisters, as we receive Colt into Christ's church, I charge you to nurture and love him and to assist him to be Christ's faithful disciple. With joy and thanksgiving, we now welcome you into Christ's church, for we are all one in Christ. We promise to love, encourage, and support you and to help you know and follow Christ. Amen. Colt, you ready for it? We'll see, right? Here, buddy. Yeah, I'm not too scary. (laughs) Cole David Phillips, I dedicate you to the Lord in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you. You're noisy today. (laughs) Gracious God and Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for the free gift of salvation that is made available Oops. <laughs> oh, you're fine. You're okay. Not the first time that's happened to me. Oh. <laughs> we thank you for the free gift of salvation that is, you've made available through his death and resurrection. We pray for Colt that you would bless and strengthen him daily with the gift of your Holy Spirit. Unfold to him the riches of your love, deepen his faith, and keep him from the power of evil. Enable him to live a holy and blameless life until your kingdom comes. And may he grow to know, love, and serve you with all of his heart, soul, mind, and strength. We also ask that you would look with kindness on Brad and Casey. Let them always rejoice in the gift you've given them. Grant them with the, pres- grant them the presence of your Holy Spirit that they may bring up Colt to know you, love you, and serve you and their neighbor through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Congratulations, guys. We have a... Bible and a gift certificate, and as Keith said, the white rose on the altar is for you guys to take home and remember this day. Congratulations. As uh, they're heading back to their seats, I invite children to come forward for children's chat at this time. (laughs) Jesus, you're fine. Don't worry about it. Good morning, guys. How are we doing? Good. All right. Come have a seat. Perfect. All right. I know we have lots of lots of people here today. This is so exciting. You know what else was exciting for me when I got here this morning? To remember that I had children's chat. Yep. <laughs> 
when they brought me my mic, I'm like, I don't have children's chat today. And they're like, but your name is in the bulletin. So guess what? Here we are. And it's going to be great. I have a question. Well, actually, I want you guys to use your imagination. Are you ready? I want you to pretend like it is a warm summer night and you're laying outside in the grass and you're looking up in the sky. What do you see? Stars? The moon? Okay, let's, let's look at those stars. I want you to count them. Can you count them? We can't count them all, Benjamin? There's too many. Yeah, can you count them all? No. Well, Oh, that, the big chandelier in the middle is the moon, so we can't count that one. Thanks. All right. So, was anybody able to count all those stars? Nope. Okay. So, in our scripture that we're going to listen today, it says that our Heavenly Father determines the number of stars and calls each one by name. Now, I want you to pretend like each one of you guys is a star. Okay? And... You each have a name, right? Yep, you each have a name. Do you think God remembers each one of your names? Yes, you are. Do you think God knows your name? He does. You're right. Do you think God knows who you are? Yeah. Does God know who you are? God knows who each one of us are by name. Just like all those stars up in the sky, God put them all there. God put each one of us here because he loves each one of us and he has a plan for each one of us. Do you know in scripture it even tells us he knows how many hairs are on our head? Do you think you can count them? You want to try? No, that would be silly, wouldn't it? But you know what? That tells us how much our Heavenly Father loves us. And we can go to Him whenever we need anything. And in our scripture, it even says that He supplies the earth with rain and makes grass grow on the hills. He provides food for the cattle and for the young ravens when they call. So God provides for everything that we need. He provided for the Israelites when they were wandering around in the desert. He made sure they had food to eat, just like God makes sure that we have food to eat. So as we go through this week, I want you guys to think about all the people in the world and how there are all those stars up in the sky and God made us all. And we are all like one of those stars, shining brightly. Okay? So let's say a quick prayer. Are we ready? Dear Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you for all these little stars shining and learning about you. Be with each one of them and help them to learn to love and grow and know you more and more in all they do. And these things we pray. Amen. All right, guys, have a great week. Amen. Thanks, kids. Thanks, Maria. You know, you probably could have gotten away without saying anything because it sounded like you had that prepared. That was fantastic. You must teach children for a living or something, right? Thank you. Thank you so much for that message. As we turn our attention out of the offering, I want to encourage you to... um, to give today as you feel led to give. Our, our offering this morning goes to support Jim and Carol Sheffield who are working with a group called Ethnos 360. Um, and I encourage you to give as you feel led to give this morning. The offering that we collect will go to support their ministry. Uh, this time I want to invite the deacons to come forward.
invite you to pray with me at this time. Heavenly Father, we praise your name together this morning. You are the one who deserves all glory and honor and praise. From eternity past and in eternity to come, you are worthy of it all. Help us, your people, praise you in all circumstances. Your goodness is not dependent upon us, our circumstances, or how we feel on a given day. You are bigger than all of that. Psalm 46, 1 and 2 says, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Lord God, whatever fears, whatever anxieties, whatever doubts, whatever questions we carry in here this morning, Lord, help us to see them in light of who you are. You are our refuge when everything else seems to be falling apart. You are our strength when we feel weak, and you are always present with your people. Help us to hold on to the hope and the truth of your promises, Lord, especially on days that are hard to believe them. Lord, we thank you that it is through the death and resurrection of your son that all of us are welcome here. Lord, none of us deserve to be here on our own merits or based on our, on our good works, but we're here based solely on the grace and love and mercy that we can know and experience through your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, our faith is not about what we do to deserve it, but about what you have done. And we thank you for that. Lord, this day we pray for those who are in need. We pray for the names and families that are represented on our prayers and concerns list. We pray that you would work your good and perfect will in their lives. Lord, we also pray for our leaders as your word calls us to do. We pray at this time for our national leaders, for our president, Congress, and Supreme Court, that they would do justice and, and seek truth, Lord, and have a hunger and thirst after your righteousness that they would be filled. Give them wisdom beyond their means, Lord, to lead and guide this nation. And I also pray, Lord, for leaders here in this church. We thank you for our members of consistory, and we thank you especially this day for our trustees, for the work that they do to keep, maintain, Lord, uh, this, this church building that we have and the property that we have so that we may gather to worship you here in this place. We thank you for all these things in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. If you're able, I invite you to remain standing as we sing our next praise song. It's called Make Room.
scripture reading for today comes from Psalm 147. Praise the Lord. How good is it to sing praises to our God. How pleasant and fitting to praise him. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the exiles of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He determines the number of stars and calls them each by name. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limit. The Lord sustains the humble but casts the wicked to the ground. Sing to the Lord with grateful praise. Make music to our God on the harp. He covers the sky with clouds. He supplies the earth with rain and makes grass grow on the hills. He provides food for the cattle and for the young ravens when they call. His pleasure is not in the strength of the horse, nor is his delight in the legs of the war. The Lord delights in those who fear him, who put their hope in his unfailing love. Extol the Lord, Jerusalem. Praise your God, Zion. He strengthens the bars of your gates and blesses your people within you. He grants peace to your borders and satisfies you with the finest of wheat. He sends his command to the earth. His word runs swiftly. He spreads the snow like wool and scatters the frost like ashes. He hurls down his hail like pebbles. Who can withstand his icy blast? He sends his word and melts them. He stirs up his, he stirs up his breezes and the waters flow. He has revealed to his word to Jacob, his law and decrees to Israel. He has done this for no other nation. They do not know his laws. Praise the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Anita. Praise the Lord indeed. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is a light for our path and a lamp unto our feet. And as we gather around it now, I pray that you would open up our hearts and minds to what you have to say to us today. Holy Spirit, give me words to speak. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. This past week, we had a chance to um, gather at the schools on Wednesday morning for See You at the Pole. For those of you who aren't familiar, that's an that's a annual um, day of prayer, and, and there's people all over the country, in fact, all over the world, who, who take time that Wednesday morning in September to gather and pray for, um, pray for the school, pray for our communities, pray for the nation, pray for the world, pray for the church, all sorts of different things. And it was an awesome opportunity. We've done it for a few years here now in New Knoxville, at least during the time that I've been here, and, uh, and really grateful for that opportunity. And one of the things that I love about it is, one, that we get to gather together at school and pray and, and see the support of other administrators and teachers who are there and, and gathering with us. But I love to hear and see the students praying. It's, it's wonderful to see that. And, and I'm always uh, amazed, but I shouldn't be surprised, at how, just, just how they pray and what they're praying for and be able to see their hearts. I do believe that, and I, and I said a couple weeks ago, that we get a pretty good idea of what one person thinks of another based on how, the, how they pray for them. I don't know if you remember me saying that or not. But I also believe that you can get a pretty good idea about what a person believes about God by how they pray. And what I saw Wednesday morning were, were teenagers gathering together to pray, and, 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 and not just what they were praying for, but how they were praying showed their level of trust and love for the Lord. But we see that in Scripture as well. Think of Jesus and his teaching the disciples the Lord's Prayer, right? And we see, we see what Jesus believes about his Father right there in the prayer that he teaches us. You know, he is our Father in heaven, right? His, his name is to be made holy, that he is sovereign and, and he's the provider of all good things. Today we're going to be looking at a passage from the Psalms. And, and the Psalms are essentially the prayers and the songs of God's people that have been passed down to us for thousands of years now. And they teach us a lot about God through the prayers of his faithful people. There's many, many different passages that we can point to to, to describe what God the Father is, or who God the Father is, and what he's done for us. No one single passage could possibly cover it all. But Psalm 147 does a good job of giving us the essentials that we're going to be talking about here today. So as we've done before, I want to, I want to read the section from the faith statement that we're going to be focusing on, and then we're going to dig right into Psalm 147 to help us understand why these things are important. So from our faith statement, section 3 says about God the Father, We believe in God the Father, the first member of the Trinity. He is eternal, all-knowing, all-powerful, and all-loving. 
He is the sovereign creator and sustainer of the universe. He is the father of our Lord Jesus Christ and all who believe in him. So we're going to see these ideas coming through in Psalm 147. And and if we were to sum up the psalm for you, I'd say that it's teaching us that the God who created and sustains the universe by his power and by his knowledge takes pleasure in and provides for those whose hope is in him. And so we'll see throughout this psalm, there's three things that I want us to focus on. And the first is that God is the creator and sustainer of all things. Maria rightly pointed out from verse 4, right? He determines the number of the stars and calls them each by name. I just love the picture that this gives us of, of just how great and wonderful and amazing God's, God's power is, but also his intimate knowledge of what he created, you guys have any idea how many stars are in the universe? It's a few, right? There's a lot, and there's more, you know, as, as, as we're able to expand our knowledge of creation, expand our knowledge of the universe, we're seeing, we're realizing there's more and more stars than we ever thought there were before. The most recent um, uh, information that I was able to find, and anybody can do it with a quick Google search, uh, but, but the article that I read estimated that there are about 200 billion trillion stars in the universe. Now, that number means probably absolutely nothing to you, like it meant nothing to me. That is uh, um, two with one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, uh, 23 zeros after it. That's how many stars that we are aware of right now. And if we waited another few years as technology advanced, we'd probably realize that there were more out there as well. And scripture says, Psalm 147 verse 4 says that he knows them all by name. He placed them there, right? He's the one who created them and he knows each of them by name. One of my favorite things to do is to go out and, you know, to, to see the stars on a clear night. You know, you get out in the country somewhere away from artificial light and you can just see just thousands of stars in the sky. Can you imagine God knowing the name of every single one of those? Right? Like there's, there's Fred, there's, there's George over there, right? God knows each one of them and he knows them by name. Now here's the, here's the amazing thing as well. And we can read all about God created the heavens and the earth. He spoke everything into existence and it would all be true. But here's the point I want us to, to get to. God created the heavens and the earth, but he also created you and me as well. In Acts chapter 17, Paul is speaking to a gathering of, of people in, in Athens. And he tells them this. He says, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth. And he does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by, by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man, he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God this, did this so, as to make, so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. See what Paul is saying here? Like the God who created everything, the Lord of heaven and earth, who created and sustained all of creation, everything that we see also created each one of us. He made everything and everything, and, and in him, right, we find our purpose and our existence, right? He doesn't need us, we need him. And we are made in his image. In him we live and move and have our being. Or as Genesis 1, 26 and 27 says, God says, let us make mankind in our image. So that's what God did. He made us in his image. The only thing in all creation that was given the special distinction. Did you know that? In all the things God created, the stars in the sky, the, the planets, the, the animals, the plants, the sun, the moon, the stars, and of all that God created, there's only one thing scripture says was made in his image, and that's us, you and I, human beings. He makes us in his image, made to know him, to love him, and to represent him in the world. And so God created everything, but he also sustains it. And we see that, again, in Psalm 147. And can't read all the different ways for you. You just heard it read. But look at verses like 8 and 9, or verses 15 through 18. Right? He sustains his creation through his common grace. 
Right? God provides for all things, you know, and, and all people, whether we acknowledge him or not. Right? That's what common grace is all about. Common grace is God's provision and, and, and sustenance to all of creation apart from a special relationship with him. Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount reminds them that the sun rises on the, on the good and the evil, that the rain falls on the righteous and the unrighteous. Right? God in his provision, in his sovereignty, in his goodness provides for all people. That's what allows human civilizations to flourish. That's what allows good things to happen, sometimes even apart from you know, direct knowledge of him. God provides rain, food, and crops for all. But he also provides specifically and especially for his people. And we see that in Psalm 147, verses 2 and 3, verse 6, verses 12 and 13 and 19 and 20, right? If you go back and look over that, you'll see that not only does God provide for all of his creation, but he also specifically provides for his people. He builds up their cities and gathers the exiles together. He provides protection and peace and sustenance. And God continues to provide for his people today, both materially and spiritually. Think of Psalm 23, 1, right? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, as we're so used to saying in the King James Version. The NIV says, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. And I love that, that perspective because, because there's a lot of things we want sometimes, right? But if we really think about what we need, if we really think about what God has done for us and provided for us, we can say that we certainly don't lack anything that we need. Again, think of the Lord's Prayer and how Jesus taught us to pray. One of those things he taught us to pray was give us this day our daily bread, right? We are called to depend on God, our Father, for our provision. Maria pointed out here about the, the Israelites wandering through the wilderness, right? And God provided them for them in miraculous ways by, by sending manna from heaven, right? This bread that would just appear on the ground overnight and they were able to go out and collect what they needed for each day. And reflecting on their journey as they're about to enter the promised land, Moses reminds the people in Deuteronomy 29, 5 through 6, he says, Yet the Lord says, During the 40 years that I led you through the wilderness, your clothes did not wear out, nor did your sandals on your feet. You ate no bread and drank no wine or other fermented drink. I did this, this is the Lord speaking, I did this so that you might know that I am the Lord your God. Right? So God provided for them in a very real, very miraculous way. But God also provides and continues to provide through ordinary means. And so I, I, I don't wait around for bread to fall out of heaven. Right? God could provide in that way. There's no reason he can't. But yet he often chooses to provide for us through the ordinary means that he provides. Right? God provides by, by giving us opportunities to work and care for our families. God also provides through others, especially brothers and sisters in Christ. So let me ask you this. Maybe the reason that you have been so blessed, that God has provided for you in abundance, is so that you can then help others who are in need. Maybe God has given you more than enough so that you can then turn around and bless someone else with your abundance. That's essentially what God reminds Abraham of in Genesis chapter 12. He says, I'm going to bless you so that you can be a blessing to others. And in his creation and in his sustaining acts, God is sovereign. He's in complete control over creation. Heidelberg, the Heidelberg Catechism question and answer number one reminds us that not a hair can fall from our heads apart from the will of our Father in heaven. In fact, all things must work together for my salvation. And that's a reference, of course, to Romans 8.28, which says that in, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. Right? That doesn't mean we're always going to experience everything as good. Sometimes what's good for us is difficult. Sometimes what ultimately is good for us is not what we think is good in the moment. But the promise is that God will work all things together for good. And he's the one that defines what good is. And it's our job to trust that he is sovereign, he is in control. And so we're reminded that God, is, God, God has created and sustained us, and that means that he's created us with a purpose. He's created us in love, created us with, in the knowledge and wonder and glory of God. 
And if he has created us, he will certainly sustain us. We're also reminded here that God, that not only that God is the creator and sustainer of the universe, but that God is is all-powerful, all-present, all-knowing, and all-loving. We see here in verse 5 that that God is is all-powerful, all-knowing, and therefore we can trust, we can trust that he knows our needs. Think about that. He created us. Who better to know what, what his creation needs than the creator himself? And he's able to meet our needs, right? If he can sustain those 200 billion trillion stars and know them each by name, then he can certainly sustain us as well. Another psalm, Psalm 139, also reminds us that God is present everywhere. Not only is he all-powerful, not only does he know all things, but he's also everywhere present. There's no part of creation that is free from his will and his influence. We cannot escape him even if we tried, and we certainly can't be removed by, from his presence. God does not abandon his people. And the last thing I want us to remind us of is that God is a loving father. He's the father. The very center of this psalm are two verses, and I want to reread those to you. In in the midst of this psalm about God's power and and provision and and being the creator and sustainer of the universe and caring for his people, we see these verses in 10 and 11. His pleasure is not in the strength of a horse, nor his delight in the legs of the warrior. The Lord delights in those who fear him, who put their hope in his unfailing love. Right? God doesn't delight in power and might and wealth or any of the other things that we tend to value. God delights. In, in, in fact, it doesn't even say that he delights in the natural world and his creation. He specifically delights in his people, those who fear him and put their hope in his unfailing love. And that word love there is is, a, is a, The word behind that is a very common word in the Old Testament. In fact, it shows up some 240 times in the Old Testament, almost always describing the love that God has for his people. It can be defined as goodness, as, as kindness, as love, as faithfulness, as loyalty. But I love the, the way that Sally Lloyd-Jones in the Jesus Storybook Bible describes it. This is the Bible that we give our children when they are dedicated or baptized. It's what Colt just received this morning. And the way that the Jesus Storybook Bible describes God's love is that it's a never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. And that just paints a beautiful picture, doesn't it? That's the love that God has for us. It's never stopping, never ending, unbreaking, always and forever love. Think about the story of the prodigal son, right? We often focus on this, on this rebellious son who went off and, and blew his share of the inheritance and in sinful living, we often think of him as the focus of the story. But really, the, the, the main character of the story is not the wayward son, it's the loving father. Right, it's the loving father who goes out and meets both of his sons, both the one who had, who had blown everything in sinful living and the one who thought he had earned his place in his family because of his obedience. This father does not base their relationship on what they have or have not done because his love is unconditional and it's relational. The father welcomes the wayward son home and he welcomes the obedient son back into fellowship because they are his children, not for any other reason. And we, Scripture says, are his children. In John 1, 12 through 13, we're told, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believe in his name, He gave us the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or husband's will, but born of God. And so through faith, through trust in him and what he's done for us, we can become his children. And when we are united with Christ, God's one and only son, and given his Holy Spirit as a deposit, when we receive all the blessings of son, we then receive all the blessings of sonship because Jesus took our curse upon himself. You see, when God looks at the believer, when he lo- if you are in Christ, and when he looks at you, he doesn't see your sin. He doesn't see your guilt. The believer who is in Christ, when God looks at them, he sees the perfect obedience and righteousness of his son. And it is applied to us. We benefit from the blessings of God's son because he took our curse upon himself. 
And so therefore the God who created and sustains the universe, the God who knows every star by name, who knows and upholds all things at all times through his power and his will, desires to also have a personal relationship with you. He made it possible through the atoning sacrifices of his son and and sending the Holy Spirit into our lives. And as the psalmist says in Psalm 8, what is mankind that you are mindful of him? That's the question we all have to ask. Why, Why are you mindful of me, Lord? What did I do to deserve it? And the answer is nothing. Right? We, myself, you, have done nothing to deserve God's love, yet he pours it out on us anyways because he is a good and loving father who upholds his promises. So as we close today, I want to ask us a couple questions. What does this mean for us? Well, just like the psalmist, the truth about who God is and what he's done for us as our loving father should spur us on to worship him with glad and sincere hearts. Notice how Psalm 147 begins and ends. It starts and ends with praise the Lord. Even in the middle of it, he can't help. And in, in, in verse 12, he, he just, in the middle of this conversation, says, extol the Lord, Jerusalem, praise your God, Zion. Right? He can't help but praise God as a result of these truths of who God is and what he's done for us. In fact, that phrase, praise the Lord, might sound a little familiar to you. The Hebrew behind praise the Lord is hallelujah. Right? When we say hallelujah, when we, when we sing that or when we read it, it's a reminder that we are called to praise the Lord and worship him for what he's done. But at this, the truths are also an invitation to prayer. Because if God is who he says he is, if, if he is the, the God of Psalm 147 and the God of all scripture, then he's a God who's both able to both answer our prayers according to his will because he's the all-powerful God. And he also desires to do so because he's a faithful father. So you can bring your joys and your sorrows, your praises and your concerns to him in prayer. And as Philippians 4, 6 and 7 says, it says we don't have to be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And so we can trust that he will provide. All right, prayer is not just wishful thinking, not just empty hope, but it is a sure and solid trust in who God is and what he's done for us. And finally, and I'll close with this, we're called to then also live in obedience to the one who created us. Right? If God is, again, if God is the all-powerful all creator and sustainer of the universe, if he's the loving father who cares for each one of us, then we should live in obedience to him. Who better to, to inform us how to live than the one who created us? Right? Who better to help us to understand what it means to truly be human, right? to, to, to live in a relationship with him and to love God and love others as we were created to do than the one who instilled that in us to begin with? And so we must look to him, not just for what we need, but also how to be the people that God has created us to be and live according to his will. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Father, that you are who you say you are and that you are a great and wonderful God. As we close, up our, as we close our service today, Lord, help us to worship you with glad and sincere hearts. Help us to know that you are, you are the all-powerful creator and sustainer of this universe, but also a loving Father who cares deeply about each one of us. And help us to live into that, Lord, this day. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. As we close our service, I invite you to stand if you're able and sing, How Great is Our God.
Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. You may go in peace. Thank you.